to Gloucester Vineyard podcast. We are creating a comedy that brings hope and joy to Gloucestershire and we are thrilled you've downloaded this message. So without further ado, let's hear this week's talk. I'm very excited about what we're talking about today, but if you guys have known me for more than 30 seconds, you will know that I love a game. Love a game. So we're going to start with a game. Yes! So, to begin, I need three confident people who don't mind speaking to a microphone. Yes! Ben, come on up. Anybody else? Yes, Becky, absolutely. Any one more confident person, please? Yes, Pepper. You are a fabulous bunch. Okay, so. Um, or just kind of to demonstrate something. You guys are all very intelligent people. Um, I would like you, so Ryan, I've got a 30 second timer on there. We've been all about the timers this afternoon. Um, I'm just gonna ask you to explain something in 30 seconds if you can. Something that we're very familiar with, it's all around us, you know? I'm gonna give you a different thing each. So Pippa, do you wanna go first? Okay, you have 30 seconds. Can you just explain to us in 30 seconds how the internet works? No. You have 29 <laughs> seconds. Give it your best shot. I know how they explain it in the IT crowd. They think it's this little black box. It has a light on it and it flashes and then suddenly like, they drop in. They think the internet's broken, but that's not how the internet works. I think it's something to do with wires under the ocean. And I don't know whether that's a myth I heard once. But am I kidding? Or, or wireless? Then, then there's wireless internet as well. I don't know. That's Wi-Fi, great. Um, broadband's also a word I've heard to do with the internet, and yeah, cables and stuff, and you, you Google. Okay, done, so that's 30 seconds on the internet. That's pretty good. I mean, in fairness, could any, none of us could have done any better than that, I don't think. Okay, well, all right then, smarty pants. Are you ready for your turn? Okay, can you explain, in fairness, you probably can. In 30 seconds, can you explain to us how gravity works? Uh, gravity is when, because the Earth is bigger than you, it attracts you into the center of gravity. I still don't understand why it works, though. Neither do I. Okay, very good. So, like, 20 seconds to spare there. To, none of us know how gravity works. But again, the internet's all around us. Gravity literally keeps us stuck on the planet. None of us quite know how it works. Are you ready for the final 30 seconds? Okay. This is a really easy one. We use this one every day. Can you just explain to me how electricity works? Electricity, okay, so basically, right, um, you have your chemicals in the battery. I'm, I'm, go I'm going to explain to you a simple, um, a simple alternating, no, correction, a simple direct circuit. It's basically, right, you have your battery, right, you have your zinc, you have your whatever the negative one is, possibly chlorine, and basically the electrons go from the chlorine to the zinc because they are attracted towards positive charge and then and then right whilst they're going through the um, through that the electric current carried by them produces charge um, which the charge of course is what would light up about will light up a time up oh my goodness isn't that amazing <laughs> I mean that's incredible that is genuine <laughs> well I mean I wouldn't know any different to correct you well done all right guys give them a round of applause go and sit down well done I mean that was something else, wasn't it? I feel like I learned something there. Fair play, Becky. Okay, so we did that mainly because it was fun, but also um, because we are doing a little series over this week and next week, a tiny little series on something in life that we're constantly surrounded by, but we very rarely stop to think about. We're going to be talking about our relationships. We're going to be talking about marriage and singleness. Um, because those two things are two things which kind of impact all of our lives. And yet I wonder how often we actually stop to think about them. Um, and I'm really, really excited about these next two weeks. Because I think um, that... Uh, 
because our relationships is a massive way by which we are judged, isn't it? I think that people look at us and whether we're together in a relationship or whether we're on our own, if we're single, then I think that's a massive way we're judged. And so I think we need to think really, really clearly about, um, about ourselves in that realm in order to kind of stand up to that. But also I think that as a community, as a church, we are called to model really healthy, whole, fulfilling lives when it comes to relationships. And I think we need to push into that because if we don't push into that, we might get swept up in the current of the world. Um, so we're going to be discussing the kind of dominant cultures that the world has and also within the church when it comes to marriage and singleness and hopefully discovering a really beautiful vision and some really wonderful wisdom um, for how we can kind of engage with our, our marriages and our singleness uh, from a biblical perspective. So how does that sound? Sound good? Um, okay. I'm already off my notes. This is not good. Um, so I hope that the, so today we're going to be talking about marriage, but I hope this will be helpful for you even if you're not marriage, married, because I think most of us in the room are, but even if you're uh, not, some of us in the room who aren't married would like to be, and some of us are single, but wherever you are, I think there's something for us to learn about humanity, about God, um, and about how we function in the world. Um, because our culture is trying to tell a story through marriage. It's trying to tell this kind of consumer story of what it means to be happily married. It's kind of the middle class, live in the suburbs, get a camper van, have wonderfully behaved Aryan children. Like that's the dream that our society is trying to kind of, the, the, the story that our society is trying to tell through marriage. I believe that God has a radically different story that he wants to sell tell something far more beautiful and far more substantial so we are gonna kind of we're gonna discuss that this morning but before we do what I want you to do is find some friendly looking people all around you you all look friendly so that's everybody find some people around you and I want you to take two minutes to answer me a really simple question I want you to answer me what is marriage for? So you've got two minutes. What is marriage for? Have a little conversation in your little clusters and we will have a time of feedback. So two minutes, go for it. What is marriage for? Okay, your two minutes is up. I want to hear what you guys have to say. So what, what did we come up with in the room? Shout some stuff out at me. What's marriage for? Hmm? Green cards. Green cards. Oh, very political. Very good. Anybody else? What is... <laughs> See me afterwards. Um, citizenship. Anybody else? What's marriage for? Partnership. Very good. Anybody else? Companionship. Yes, very good. Very good. To make babies. Yeah, that's a thing, isn't it? There's a certainty, a security, commitment. Very good. Anybody else? Encouragement, yeah? To experience joy. To experience joy. Very good. Excellent. Some excellent answers, guys, as ever. So we are going to focus for the rest of our time together this afternoon on a classic bit of Bible which talks about marriage. Um, now, we are going to read somebody else's mail this afternoon. Has anybody here ever read someone else's mail? Hands up. Yeah, you have. You're a naughty boy. Anybody, anybody ever been tempted to read someone else's mail? Just a quick show of hands, obviously. Oh, yes. Thank you for the level of honesty in the room. Like, you know when you move into a new house and, like, the old occupier's post comes through the door and you're like, I wonder what's inside. Anybody else been tempted to just, just have a look inside? Yes, you know it's true. Oh. I feel like I'm being judged by people in the room here. I think we've all been there. So we're going to be reading somebody else's post this morning. 
We are going to be reading a letter that a guy called Paul wrote to a church thousands of years ago and thousands of miles away. Um, now, this church was much like ours um, in that they were a bunch of human beings who were fascinated by Jesus and they were heading towards him. But they lived like 2,000 years ago in a completely different country. So lots of the ways they thought were actually very different um, to how we think about stuff but they did have marriages and Paul wrote some advice to those married couples in the church um, let's read a little chunk of it now so he says as the scripture says a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one this is a great mystery but it's an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one so I say again each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband so there we go. We've just read someone else's mail. That was, that was just as exciting as I thought it would be. Um, so this is Paul summing up some stuff that he's just said about marriage. He's highlighting that from his, his perspective, marriage is all about unity, about a man and a woman being united together. And he's riffing off the first couple of pages of the Bible where God makes man, and then he kind of surgically removes a rib, and he makes a woman. It's all very mysterious and poetic and beautiful and wonderful. Um, but then it, the, these pages talk about how man and woman are going to be united together, and Paul's kind of taking that. But he's also um, plugging into what a lot of the writers of the Bible understood, which was about how our marriages are somehow a picture of Jesus and the church also being united together. So really what Paul's doing here is he's talking about unity. It's um, um, so quick straw poll in the room for those who are married. Um, how easy have we found it to be completely united with our, with our spouses? Easy? Yeah, pretty easy. Anybody ever found that slightly tricky to be completely united? Yeah, I certainly have. Um, it's tricky. It's tricky at times. Um, so to help us with this challenge, Paul has an invitation for those of us who choose marriage as a path. Now, I hope you're sitting comfortably. It's a good job we're sat in the Methodist church today because the, com the chairs are very comfy, but you might be feeling uncomfortable in the next two minutes. You have been warned. So should we read Paul's invitation to married couples? Should we see what he has to say? What is the invitation Paul has to these, these, this church? Should we pop up on the screen? It's very small. Oh, ooh. And it's all off the screen as well. So that's a challenge. Um, good. Um, so I'll read it to you. And you can kind of, you know, decipher the rest. Uh, so Paul said this. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body and the church. As the Christ's, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave himself, uh, gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. Okay, fun and games. Who wants to accept that invitation just on face value? Anybody in the room? Maybe, maybe, but just, is anybody in the room slightly squirmy after that? Yeah? Can I just have a show of hands if anyone feels just slightly squirmy? Let's just be really honest. Um, 
yeah, I, I, let's be honest readers of the Bible. That makes me feel slightly uncomfortable. Um, but let's do this together. Let's, let's call out the bits of there that, that have made us squirmy. What kind of language has Paul used that's made us feel a bit uncomfortable? Anybody feel brave enough? Submit, yeah, absolutely. Submit in everything. Yeah, crikey. Wives submit, yeah, specifically wives, yeah. Yes. Some interesting conversations on the drive home today. Yeah? How about the head language? Uh, how are people feeling about that one? So let's be really honest. Let's be really honest about this. That, that Sometimes when we read the Bible, we come up against stuff like this, which makes us feel really, really uncomfortable. And one thing we don't want to do is just to completely resolve all of the tension and take all of the tension out. Because some of the stuff that we've just read is actually literally just our modern culture butting up against an ancient culture, and there's a few things which are just drastically, drastically different, and so we don't need to pay attention to them. Some of those things um, are ways that actually the church has translated this and applied this in the past, which we've carried into the room with us, which is also unhelpful. However, some of that might actually be an invitation from Father God for us to think a little bit differently about our marriages. So what we need to do is we just need to... Just admit that that made us feel a bit squirmy. And then we're going to come and we're going to observe some stuff about how we can understand what Paul is actually trying to say here to help us to kind of really get underneath what Paul is inviting us to. So, firstly, I just want to emphasize the fact that Paul is making a point about unity. You remember I said that the whole point of marriage in the Bible is to talk about unity, that the Bible is actually bookended with two mentions of marriage. Um, and Paul is making a statement about unity between husband and wife. In fact, that head and body language that made some of us a little bit squirmy is actually about a married couple being united. Um, you know, in the past, the church has taken that to mean that a husband should be in charge of the wife and should take a leadership role over her. But actually, that's not what Paul was pointing to at all. He was instead uh, talking about how a head and a body need to be united. If you don't believe me, go and read the rest of his letter to the Ephesians and highlight every time Paul talks about unity. It's throughout the whole book. Unity, 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 unity. And he talks about Jesus being the head and the church being the body. And his point is about those two being united together. Um, and when Paul's giving this advice to husbands and wife, he's not dropping that theme. He's working the theme. He's being like, well, I'm talking about unity. And when it comes to a marriage, this is what it looks like. It's all about unity. Anybody else grateful in the room that their head and their body are currently united? I know I am, okay? So let's kind of just disarm that head and body language because that is all about being united and being together. Secondly, let's just kind of, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. Let's talk about submission because I think a whole bunch of us felt a little bit uncomfortable when I said that. So let's just do like thumbs up. I'm really happy about the idea of submission. Thumbs in the middle, I don't really know what that means. Thumbs down, I'm kind of not a fan of that. Like, where are we at? If I say submission, show me your thumbs. Some middles, some downs, a couple of husbands with their thumbs very much in the air. So yeah, so most of us in the room, when I say submission, it's a thumbs down. Um, and I don't think that that's in the slightest bit surprising. Because we live in a time when we've actually seen loads of examples of people leveraging their power in really destructive ways. We've seen people who have been forced to submit because of an awful power structure or a really oppressive worldview. You know, some of us have unfortunately been in a relationship where submission has been a really painful and unhelpful dynamic. And some of us know people like that as well. It's no surprise that when Paul, when Paul starts to talk about submission here, my suspicion is that most of us actually get our defenses up a little bit. 
we have a very negative understanding of submission in our culture. And honestly, when we think about all that, I'm really not surprised. But Paul, when he was writing this letter to this church, um, when he extended this invitation to unity, he had a very, very different model of submission in mind. So we're going to look at that, if that's okay. So the final thing I just want to pull out of this is let's just notice in this story who submits to who. Is this a story about one party gaining dominance over the other? Because really, if unity is the point of marriage, then I think submission is the means by which we are united. So with what Paul says, who submits? Now, we're very lucky here because Paul in his letter wrote us a very nice headline, which we can actually read. It's right at the very top. This is the first thing he says, and everything that's said afterwards needs to be read in light of that first thing he said. He said, further, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Submit to one another. Now, I have to admit, I get slightly cross uh, at this stage when I think about the ways that this has been read and interpreted by the church in the past, because it's kind of been read like... Blah, 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 that first bit. Wives, submit to your husbands. Do what he says. He is your leader. And husbands, love your wife. Be nice to her. You know, be kind to her. Some flowers occasionally wouldn't go amiss. Now, Paul is really, really clear. He says it right at the beginning. Submit to one another. Now, in that time, that church that Paul was writing to, and instructions for wives to submit to husbands, it would have been nothing new. They were living in a very patriarchal society. This would have been their bread and butter. And Paul, he doesn't disarm that. He says, yeah, wives, continue to submit to your husbands. But he doesn't leave it there. He drops a bomb. He says, husbands, submit to your wives. He, um, one of our, some of our translations really draw this out well. They say, in the same way, husbands, love your wives. This isn't a different instruction to husbands. He's giving them the same instruction, but in unpacking it differently. He's telling them to lay down their lives for their wives Submit to your wives so completely that you're basically at their mercy. You've lost your own life in preference to hers. Lay down your life in sacrifice. And who's your model for that? Jesus is meant to be our model for that. The ultimate model of power submitting to another out of love. The ultimate example of someone giving up their life to put another first. Guys, that would have been utterly, utterly explosive in that culture. A call for men to submit to their wives would have been utterly explosive let's be honest it's kind of explosive in our day and age as well the picture that's being painted here is revolutionary it is beautiful it is really really challenging rather than our marriages being about consuming about getting our needs met christians are called to create marriages based on um, unity fueled by mutual submission to one another Rather than the idea of submission being about one party gaining dominance over another, it's a beautiful mechanism for putting another first um, in the expectation that they will do the same for you. It's to enter into a dangerously, dangerously risky relationship where I lay down my life for my spouse, trusting that they will lay down their life for me. A relationship where my needs get met by my spouse because of love and because her needs are getting met because of my love. Instead of striving to grab what I need, I trust her to provide what, what I need. We are challenged and invited to showcase this beautiful relationship paradigm in our city. Because in our culture, marriages are all about 
selfishness. It's about grabbing. It's like an accessory which enhances your life. But from heaven's perspective, our marriages have the opportunity to be show, opportunities to be showcases of a heavenly reality, a place where love for others is the defining feature. We don't grab to get our needs met. We submit ourselves to another to meet another's needs. The best that our culture can do in comparison to this is to strive for equality in marriage. And don't get me wrong, if you can achieve equality in your marriage, that is extraordinary. That is so hard. You know, if we can try and make things fair, to try and share responsibility, to do everything together, that is hard. And if you can achieve that, that is wonderful. It's wonderful. That's the best our culture can do. But Paul is calling us one step deeper. He's calling us one step harder. Something that's much harder, but I think much more rewarding. Because I think that God wants to tell a story through our marriages. He wants to show the world that through his power, it is possible for human beings to love one another, to give themselves to one another and thrive. That this self-sacrificial love is a force by which this world can be saved. That this self-sacrificial love is the only thing which can mend the mess that we've made of the world. This is inspired by and in order to showcase the incredible love that Jesus has shown us. And as I said, we struggle to talk about submission. We come with all sorts of baggage when we talk about submission. So I just want to end our time today by talking about God's definition of submission. And we find that um, in another letter written to another church. And this is one of our favorite bits of Bible as a church. You will have heard us say this before. But this is what the story of the Bible is all about. It's a story of God submitting himself to us. I mean, what else can I say? The Bible is a story of God submitting himself to us. You want to talk about power submitting to someone else. God submitted to us. It says this in the second chapter of a book called Philippians. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. A slave. And he was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. We are called to submit to one another because we have been shown the powerful beauty that is God giving up his life in submission to us and our needs. This is all an overflow of gratitude for the ultimate act of selflessness. This is the vision of mutual submission and, and this is the vision that Emily and I try to live out in our marriage. I say try because, guys, it's really hard. As there are, there are weeks when, when it's really tough because everything in us wants to just kind of look after ourselves. But honestly, when we get it right, there's nothing more beautiful than two human beings submitting to one another, I think, anyway. Lauren, would you mind joining me? Thank you. This is how we do things in the kingdom of God. This is a kingdom principle. It's not easy, but it is beautiful. And it will change the world, I think. I think that God wants to tell a story through our marriages. So for those of us who have chosen marriage as a way of life, this is the invitation that we're called into. 
for those of us considering marriage, if we would like to get married, then we need to be thinking really carefully, like, am I in a position where I'm ready to submit to this person? And do I trust that person to submit to me? I don't know how this is going to land with us. You know, we've all come into the room with different stories. All of us have come with different baggage. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit knows where we've, what we're bringing in with us. So we're going to take some time now to just respond to what I've been talking about this morning. Again, I don't know how it's landed with you, but the Holy Spirit wants to meet with you. Okay, that's all for this week. I hope that that blessed you. If you like the message, please share it with a friend and consider subscribing to keep up to date. And if you want to get involved with what we are doing here in Gloucestershire, then all the details are on our website.